0: Listening to Impact Insights, a communications podcast by the Impact Agency. Are you
1: recording? Are you recording?
0: <laughs> we're on. We're on. Double thumbs up. Thank you, Leah.
1: <laughs> Hello, um, I'm Nicole Webb. Welcome to this edition of Impact Insights podcast. With me is the general manager of the Impact Agency, Francis Dwyer. Hello, and um, I'm right here. I know we're, we're actually recording this podcast in the same room together next to each other socially distant kind of because we have to sit really close to the microphone.
0: (laughs) No we're outdoors actually. But we are outdoors. We decided it's a really beautiful day so we're recording from the balcony at our offices here in Piemont. And
1: every now and again there's some dude (laughs) soaring metal so (laughs) if you hear any sound effects we're really 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 sorry. (laughs) Um, Today we decided that we wanted to talk about some media stories that Mm. had grabbed our attention over the last couple of weeks um that we've had a lot of conversations in the office about how media coverage has changed how pitching a story has changed you know back in my day uh you'd see 80 percent of media coverage would be data-driven um and what was what was what was was Ryan saying
0: well um, a number of years ago there was a study undertaken by UTS around the role of PR in generating media coverage and news stories and at the time it was estimated that around 54 percent of uh, articles and stories in mainstream media were the, the origin of them was a PR source so a company report or a a case study from a particular um, industry or um, a new product launch, whatever it may have been, was the source. Um, And then I think it actually grew dramatically from there. But last year, we know it was wall-to-wall pandemic and that really changed things up in the media cycle. We were already on a decline of number of titles, number of journals over the last decade. So with these big trends, it's a very different game to be in now, media relations. And... or or alternatively called earned media um, how you get there the value of it to your audience and your brand it has all shifted and changed so we thought what's been getting our attention this week how did it come to be and what made it news um, would be a good topic for us to explore
1: yeah Mm. um I kind of maybe I didn't meet the brief completely, but my first story. Oh, am I totally? Maybe. I, I, no, no, is no, this no, a no, different no, no. brief? I don't know. I don't, I'll say something okay. and then you make me sound smarter. Okay, like you always do.
0: Don't give away our trade secrets.
1: <laughs> so the first story that I have, um, it's around um, vaccines and so many stories around vaccines, mm. particularly
0: here in Australia where we don't seem to be Lagging in rollout, but then now lagging in, I guess, enthusiasm to get the vaccine as well. Yeah. A little bit of a problem in the US with the second jab too.
1: So I, I mentioned to you, Fry, that, um, you know, I'm 53 mm. and I always thought that I would hang out for the Pfizer. I knew that it had a higher efficacy rate. And now that they're talking about the, um, the blood clots for under 50 year olds, I feel like I'm kind of on the, on that cusp and mm. that. You know maybe I'd made the right decision and should stick around
0: and wait for the Pfizer so yeah lots of lots of and these are decisions we shouldn't really have to consider ourselves as citizens right because the research and regulations and um I guess due diligence should be done by the scientists to tell us what to do but you can't help but have hesitation when things have happened so quickly
1: Yeah. So anyway, watch this space. When will Nicole (laughs)
0: get vaccinated?
1: vaccine. And what vaccine will it be? (laughs) Um, But a bit of a fun story that I I saw, I don't know if it's a fun story, um, in the New York Times this week about can you have alcohol after the COVID vaccine? Important. Important Very, very very important to know. So (laughs) of course I read it (laughs) because I needed to know if I was allowed to drink after I had the, the vaccine. But it's not so much the story itself, it's the topic. In Australia, the the stories are still around the rollout, where in the US Mm. the rollout is well and truly underway. So the stories that they're focusing on over there are quite different. And I guess we'll play catch-up and we'll start seeing these stories when we've got a certain percentage of the population vaccinated and everybody's, um, you know, happy about what's going on. So, yeah, that was one of the stories that just, I went, you know what, that's a really interesting story. We're not seeing those stories here. Mm. And is it because... We're not that far along. We're in a different moment in time on that particular
0: thing. That's interesting because it relates to um, another story that I read about the vaccine and being vaccinated as, you know, against um, COVID, is that the EU on the weekend did an interview with the New York Times, the President Ursula van der Leyen, I hope I've said that correctly, um, mentioned that essentially all of the vaccines that are being rolled out in the US are approved vaccines in the EU as well and therefore they're pretty much looking to allow US tourists to come into any countries in the European Union over the summer. Um, So reading headlines like that when our borders are still slammed shut Mm. all around Australia started me thinking gee we're really going to be left behind here if we don't have a path to letting people back in here let alone letting our own citizens leave for reasons other than emergency or relocation um, and I don't know if it's because I have like a chip on my shoulder about people already thinking we're a little bit backward down under but do we I like that we're living this really relatively normal safe life at the moment feel very privileged but I feel like there's a time limit on what that privilege looks like if we don't start to reconnect ourselves with other parts of the world so that's where my head went I went oh good for Americans is it good for Americans maybe it's not good for European citizens that aren't yet vaccinated And hang on, when do I get to go to Europe again? (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: No, absolutely. (laughs) The the, the idea that we can't leave our own country is just... I mean, it's a good place to be, but I've got friends and family around the world as well, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, lots lots and lots of stories about about vaccines, um, but... If you need to know more about um, whether you can drink after you've had your vaccine, (laughs) give me a call. The uh, the research is not good. Um, In in other news, um, and this has been breaking for a couple of days now, is um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson is under investigation after... uh, Renovating his apartment uh, above but come ten on. Downing Street who using
0: didn't, who didn't do a bit of DIY in twenty twenty <laughs> yeah
1: but he was using he was using donor money this is the mm. problem so they're now investigating whether or not um his refurbishments mm. were, were paid um legitimately so yeah so this got me thinking about everything that we've been through this year with our politicians and what's gone on in yes. Parliament House and you know Polly's behaving behaving badly it, when does it stop mm. I know you were um, interviewed recently by the, um, what was the magazine from the Ethics Alliance? It was uh, Uh, The Matrix. The Matrix. Matrix. And the journalist was asking you, you know, why are we seeing increased numbers in examples of poor corporate behaviour?
0: And leadership. And I think
1: this was around the Australia Post stuff. Not that I'm suggesting that what Christina Holgate did was um, poor behaviour.
0: I mean, it was also about um, issues of harassment. Um, and and the issues that have been happening in Canberra as well, the discussion covered that too. But I think where I landed straight away was I don't know that there has been a surge in poor corporate behaviour or a surge in poor leader and political behaviour. I think that this stuff has always been going on. I just think that our expectations and limits of what we're willing to accept have shifted. We're no longer as willing as a society and as employees to turn a blind eye or to laugh something off, or to, you know, self-exclude as a form of protection mm. for our safety, um, we, we now realise that we have an obligation to others as well as ourselves for better, to do better. And, and I really believe that, unfortunately, this stuff's been going on for a really long time. I think we talked about it in, in
1: one of our podcasts last year about uh, it was just a little bit Brushed under the carpet mm. last year because of the pandemic, mm. so it was, maybe it was, that's it's it <laughs> all coming out. Now. <laughs> it was a good year if you are going to behave badly. last Yeah, year, we the, did. Last, we year, did, last did, year was yeah. the not year. so
0: much <laughs> now. Not so much now. No, everybody is looking and watching and mm. um, and expecting um, better things. I wonder if we found out that our prime minister had refurbished something with donor money, would how how Australians would react to something like that? Do you think it wouldn't pass the pub test? Mm. I don't think no. Yeah, probably not. But then if you could somehow spin it to, like, DIY and keeping the economy going with Bunnings or something like that, (laughs) maybe it would then, then everyone goes, yeah, everyone loves Bunnings. And then it'd probably end up being a conversation about sausage Sausage sizzles. sizzles. Let's be honest. That's where we'd end up, and then the argument would then focus on: are the onions on top or underneath the sausage? Because oh that's the real dilemma. <laughs> what else did you? What did you have, Fry? Um, look, this one's a little bit in the like um, cycle of outrage and criticisms of other parents. Let's judge parents category. Um, and look, the practice of combing social media groups as a source for creating content and articles, which seems to be so prolific. I think if we're talking stats, we used to you know, we said fifty four percent are PR generated, I would be, I would be really, really interested to look at what percentage are created off the back of someone just combing through groups and using posts to create an article. Do you think this is a general, you think it's across the board or do yes. you think this is a news.com com? No, tactic? it's across the board. Yeah, okay, I think this results in Channel 9 News nightly stories as well. Yeah. I think it really, it used to be kind of sitting in a certain category, you know, more your sort of tabloidy Daily Mail or your lifestyle section of the Daily Tele or news.com, but I think we're seeing it in far more places now but it was mum's warning after daughter stung by wasp check your laundry da, da, da. so i was like okay shivers is this girl died like this sounds serious no she just got stung i'm like how is this where did it appear it was it was in um on the home page of um Nine Honey, yep. and then it's on um, the Essential Kids section as well, which has millions of readers shared on socials, so many comments about it. Um, you, you know, you should check it. Your daughter might be allergic. You know, it might swell up. You should take it to the hospital and all of this, you know. Was, like, there, was there
1: some sort of wasp swarm that we need no, to be aware li- of? No,
0: it's one wasp that happened to be inside a T-shirt that her, the mum took off the clothesline. And, I mean, there's so many ways you can take exception to this. Like, well, why mum's is it the mum? mum's <laughs> taken
1: the bloody clothes off the line in the first place. Why is it the
0: mum? Yeah. Why is all the pressure on the mum? Shouldn't the daughter have checked her shirt before she put it on? Or, I don't know, where was dad? Yeah, where was dad? <laughs> where was dad? Which then I started thinking about, this is another side set, but Bluey, there's another outrage cycle that caught my attention in the news recently is there was an op-ed written... Um, Uh, by a journalist about it was basically like a love letter to Bluey um, and how much her family loves that show and the way that they can relate to the characters um, and identify with the themes that occur in their own family. But then she made one comment within the op-ed about the fact that one thing that she did hope that she could see more of in the future from Bluey was more diversity in representation of different types of families and maybe different types of backgrounds. And that was the one thing that our that a number of media then picked up and ran as their headline. Um, you know, Bluey slam for lack of diversity. Not enough, you know, dogs of colour. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then people were like, this is ridiculous. This is PC gone mad and so on and so forth. But the irony is that the the makers of Bluey Took the, took the constructive criticism really positively because the, the, this is a show that has already learned from another mistake that they made mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, unbeknownst to them that there was a particular phrase used in um, one of the episodes that they thought was gobbledygook, like just kids' play language, but it actually had racist origins. So they quickly took that episode down and re-edited it and put it back up in response to that, learning that. So they've shown that they listen and they're progressive. You can pull that apart again and think why are people getting so outraged when the show's creators themselves aren't outraged by this particular observation or or constructive criticism. But I think more broadly, that sort of council culture cycle of of criticism is coming from a place where people are like, can't I just enjoy one thing? Why does everything have to be problematic? Why do I have to pick everything apart? And is that from the fatigue and the exhaustion as well of last year? Is that contributing to the way that our news it's easy to just hit a nerve because then you know it'll go viral or you know it'll get the clicks. And I think that the media are still um, playing to that shtick of this will get the clicks, this will create the outrage, this will get the everyone talking, but I'm wondering whether there's a point at which some titles need to think about the value of that cycle um, or, or how fair or balanced a cycle like that is to simply get the eyeballs that you're hoping for on your articles yeah absolutely i also think you've got some fans in the park across the road fry
1: they're cheering and yelling for you (laughs) so i don't know if they're they're outraged or for you i'm not too sure maybe they like bluey as well (laughs) who doesn't like who doesn't like bluey (laughs) um so thank you for sharing that wonderful wasp story with us (laughs) i've got another one for us okay um channel seven so i was cooking dinner Mm -hmm. during the week and um I don't know why, I never watched Channel Seven, but it was on in the background mm-hmm. and kept on announcing a must see story for e for every household, for mm, each, each house, household. every household. Mm-hmm. And they'd go to an ad break and they'd come back and they'd do their next set of whatever the news was. And then he before the next ad break, stay stand stand by or tune in, don't go anywhere. <laughs> The next story is a must for all households. Do you want to know what the story was? Tell me. Okay. I am just so excited about this one. Sunbeam crockpot explosion leaves mum with third-degree burns. So, do we start like picketing the streets, or what's what's the call to action it's here? It, <laughs> it's, it, I'm not to, I'm not detracting from the horrible burns that this poor lady has received, but one exploding pressure cooker. Okay one person in mm-hmm. hospital has made not only headlines on Channel 7 mm. but it's also gone, like, Fall further over. afield. It's national. Mm. It's a national story. It's gone mm. everywhere. It's in print. It's everywhere. Why? Please
0: tell me why. Why is this getting coverage? Do you think? Well, the, m- this is really tragic communications professional response but my first thought was, gee, Thermomix must be chuffed. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure's <laughs> off them and on somebody else. Um I was interested that straight away it said Sunbeam crockpot, and I wondered, ooh, is this a? This is like immediately pointing the finger at a known household brand. So many households probably have a Sunbeam product in their cupboard, some form, right? So the reputational damage this is going to be exactly doing yeah. to a Sunbeam, and it sounds horrific. Um, and you know, I haven't read any of the details, so I'm just going to fly fly here with my opinion on it, but. Did, did she report it? Has the brand responded to it? Are they looking at a recall? Was it a one-off? Is it a second? How long has she had it? These are all the questions that immediately come to does mind. Does she know how to use it? Does she know how to use one? Because yes, I does. know that when we scratched the surface of the Thermomix um, debacle, when there were, um, you know, a, a number of people who got burned, it was a similar situation where I'm going to boil something and, you know, do it at 120 degrees and then I'm going to hit blend at number 10. And I'm going to be surprised when the lid comes off and boiling hot liquid flies all over me. Like you wouldn't do that in a blender. So why would you do it in the Thermomix? Um, I I, I think it's an interesting theme around like individual responsibility versus brand. Like none of that makes any judgment. That story didn't make any judgment of anything that the mum did or the person. And why is she a mum again? Can't she just be a person? Melbourne mum. She's, these bloody she, mums, they they, because she's cooking. They sting their, she, their children. <laughs> they burn their children. They burn their
1: children. So fear, fear, fear is what's yeah. driving this story. Definitely, um, it's going to get clicks. Mm. It's going to get views. Mm. Oh my god, I might have that household
0: apply, appliance in my. I don't in have my a crock pot, but I do have a blender. Yeah. What, what does the sunbeam blender do? Are they going to blow up too? Yeah. Is it like the is it like the Samsung washing machines that were blowing up? So that's that whole fear of how it impacts me as well as how it's impacted that individual that gets the attention and and ensures that the story starts to flow beyond the original piece on Channel 7. Yeah. Like the wasp. The wasp. Like the wasp. Killer wasps. The
1: killer wasps. Um, Finally, the last story that I wanted to have a chat to you about was um, Atlassians Mm. come out and said they're going to work permanently from home. Mm. Yeah. Scott Farquhar has only been in the office three times over the past past year. Mm-hmm. Um they're calling it what do they call it they're calling it team anywhere. Team anywhere. Mm-hmm. Team anywhere. Um, a lot of stories are like this. Yes. We've only come back two days a week. So mm-hmm. Tuesdays and
0: Wednesdays everybody's in the office together at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's
1: great it's for awesome. collaboration yeah. and
0: to mix up the week. We find that some of our staff choosing to come in all five days because they're just preferring being back in the routine of being in the office. Others are really enjoying the balance of home and coming into the office. Uh, that kid doesn't like it. She, though. She, <laughs> she's going, no, in the office, people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that I've heard lots of different combinations. I've heard a lot of businesses and employees feedback around everyone's finding their feet. There's not a particular one way to do things and you've got to talk to your staff and kind of co-create what it looks like. Um, A a friend of mine, their business has said, okay, let's do it. We're coming back two days a week, but they're not um, encouraging teams or mandating which days they are. So he's finding it incredibly frustrating because the days he's going in isn't the day that anybody else is in there and he's on um, Zoom calls all day sitting in the corner of the office. So for him, he's he's like, well, I would actually would enjoy that personal interaction again, but if you're not coming in the same day as me, we're not really achieving that. So what are we actually asking of um, our employees when we say come back? Um, which leads leads me over to another article that's related, which is in AFR Boss today, that pa- the pandemic has been triggering mid-career crises um, around the world. And, um, you know, full disclosure, this is a one of our clients, a awesome article that we've achieved for one of our clients, Gartner, their global talent monitor has shown that a record number of people are thinking about changing their job, career, location, or entire approach to work in the wake of COVID-19. It gave people such a different experience, good, bad, ugly, uh, a lot of reflection and you've got senior executives leaving corporate careers to retrain as doctors in the most dramatic versions but in the less dramatic but still life-changing versions you've got people relocating to the south coast and working 100 percent remotely when they were previously spending three hours a day commuting and only seeing their children for 20 minutes a day
1: well look our lovely producer leah she moved um back to perth and is mm. with closer with the family and 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 living the dream so um the pandemic has certainly allowed for really positive change.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also made us rethink where where, and how we can work physically as well as what we do and where we do it. So I feel like I'm more deliberate in the work that I choose to do on a given day based on whether I'm going to be in the office mm. or going to be working from home.
1: So what, why do you think these stories are still getting... <clears throat> still getting traction because working from home was written about and talked about so much
0: last year seems to be that shift to what does it look like next um you know everyone's been talking about hybrid but what are the case studies so both of the stories that we're referring to here have individual case studies so Atlassian is talking about their own staff and people who work for them including Scott Farquhar himself what he's been doing and then The article that um, we developed with BOSS for um, Gartner, sure, it has the data that frames the reason for the story, but it's all about humans, um, people and their, sorry, people and their experiences and why they've changed and what they're doing. So you're putting a tangible um face and story to a Case concept story, yeah. whereas i think we we're talking quite conceptually yeah. at the end of last year about all this like it what's, could look like this what's best practice exactly yeah. whereas now they're like this guy's given that up and he's over here this company is doing um you know work from anywhere it's this whole idea of it's actually already happening and this is what it looks like in different companies um but interestingly that you know the same data in the u.s is being received really um with different storylines because they're, by and large, all still working from home, at mm. least in, in several professional services and related sectors. Um, a friend of mine who lives in New York has been working from home for over 15 months now. So this concept of hybrid is still a concept for them, whereas we've been living in a hybrid practice of coming into the office and working from home or working from other locations for over six months, if not longer. Um, so it's, it's again, back to the beginning of our discussion about the U.S. are in a very different place in their storylines about vaccines. vaccines we're yeah. in a very different place in our storylines about so in work the from in home. the UK and the U.S. the stories that we're seeing now around this working from home are going
1: to start appearing in the in the papers over there, right? Yeah. Um, I was talking to a colleague in um, the UK, and um, she um, has unfortunately lost a number of staff members um, that have left. They've they stuck it out during the hard times and COVID and mm. worked their butts off like we all. Like we all did, and then have come out the other side and gone. You know what? I need something else. Yeah. Um, I, I think it goes to the the Gartner Global Talent Monitor oh. results as well. They're talking about um, people are working. They worked really, really hard. But there's the now that that expectation that you still need to work really hard mm. this year. Where's the, where's the trade? Left where's in the, the tr- tank? Tr- there's nothing oh. left in the tank. Where's, where's the trade-off? And where's where's my thank you? Mm. You know for. Mm sticking by me all that time i think it's particularly hard in in faceless organizations in, in an organization like us where they get to see the owner mm. pretty much every day it's a different situation to um a big multinational, than a big multinational yeah mm.
0: so that's another key theme we're seeing across media is this how to tell a story the way to tell it is through a person and through an experience, data plays a role, but it's no longer the central focus. So you're not seeing stories anymore that say "lead with one stat," and in the in the next four pars, there's four more stats. Yeah, that's that's not the type of story our journalists are looking for anymore. I think we have stat fatigue um you know we've we've been going through a a boot camp of retraining ourselves on content and where to focus um our stories as a result of the changes in people's minds and our neuro pathways have shifted because we received so much data last year we're so focused every 11 a.m every morning what are the numbers how is that going to dictate the way that i feel or think today um that, that that numbers have become meaningless in, in many contexts. So we want to reconnect to, but what does that mean to me and how do I relate to that story? And it's through people, it's through experiences. And our learning from that is that people read differently. So mm. we need to write differently. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's that's an awesome place to stop, I think, I think and, so. and, and and wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've been listening to the Impact Insights. I am Impact's uh, see, I'm the CEO. You are the CEO. I'm the CEO.
0: Do you want to write that down? i to no,
1: write that down. <laughs> Get
0: a tattoo, and, <laughs> so I can look at it every time I need it. And I am the general manager, Francis Dwyer. Thank you for joining us today. Be safe.